When the toodle pip rings, the market opens. Now it's our time to teach those humans about the seven sins. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Jared Leopold and welcome back Will Lentz to talk about Jared's game, Goblin Market. Explore a Victorian setting with a totally unique system that exemplifies what it really means to be a goblin. We talk about game jams, switching from designer to producer, and collaboration. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am incredibly excited about this episode. I've been chatting with my two guests for a little bit longer than 10 minutes prior to us actually starting the recording. (laughs) And we have one returning, one that I've played some games with before. And yeah, uh, Will, thank you for coming back on the show. But Jared... Thank you for coming onto the show this week and bringing this game with you. Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. It's really, uh, it's really cool to be a bigger part of the the process and the, I don't know, just the whole gaming world. I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, Jared says uh, after having been a part of the gaming world for ages now at this point <laughs> not, well, not intended yeah. as a joke at your age just no, just uh, like hey you've, you've been involved in stuff man yeah you've been you've been around for a while you've been busy and that's kind of the, the reason why part of the reason i'm super excited to be talking about goblin market with you and a couple of you folks who are longtime listeners might recognize a keyword there and yes we're going to get to that, I promise. <laughs> but before we really start diving into Goblin Market and what it's all about, can you both give us a little description about who you are and a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm Will Lentz. Uh, I run Gameonomicon. Folks have probably already heard me on the show before talking about games like Warmer in the Winter, the Hallmark uh, romance game. And Party First, the alt-history communist horror game. So uh, there's a ton more than that. Gameonomicon, check it out. And uh, I'm Jared Leopold. Uh, I'm making my first real big foray into, into the gaming world. But I've been involved with it for over 30 years. I've uh, done some design and writing work for Gameonomicon. Um, but currently, I've started my own uh, smaller company, uh, Proxism by Design, and I do a lot of articles about Ashes Reborn, the card game, too. Hmm. Okay. And which one's Ashes Reborn? Uh, that's the name of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been, it got rebooted uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago at this point. It's a... Yeah. Okay. I had to Google it real fast. I recognize this one. I've seen it in game stores. I have not played it, but yeah. I will. I'll check out your stuff. It's the card game with the dice, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just super exciting. And this is a really fun episode for me, audience, because it's it's kind of a full circle episode for scheduled for launch, which I think is a lot of fun. 
and like I said, it, it goes kind of back to the Goblin Game Jam that we had Weston and Vivian come on and talk about. And that kind of resulted in some of your first big design for for a game, which I'm very excited to be talking about today, which is Goblin Market. Should we kind of go over how how you and I got talking? Because like that's yeah. kind of a fun story in and of and of itself, eh? Yeah, that's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, do it. Because, <laughs> I mean, one of the things I want to bring up is, so we got connected just talking, just kind of the blue, didn't really know each other yet, for doing mm-hmm. a playtest of uh, one of the adventures for Party First. And uh, it was great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, so of course, it takes a lot longer to do one adventure than you think it's going to be. So I was, uh, had to get together <laughs> twice to yeah. finish the, the one adventure. Um, but one thing I will always remember, and this is for you listeners, if you're ever in a horror-themed role-playing game with Zach, he will never, ever split up the party. No matter if you beg him, it's not going to happen. He's just he's not going to do it. So I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> I've gotten better at that. I love splitting up the party. <laughs> But I didn't know how party first worked, so I was scared of that system. He's also very much willing to choose the darkest timeline when you reach the climax. Yeah. That just made the most sense, honestly. I I, yeah. I, I fully back that one. That's true. Pasha was such a fun character. I had so much fun with that. But yeah, it was just through for uh, running through that playtesting, so we got to talk about it, and you brought up the goblin game jam and i had never done a game jam i knew that i was in a position to start writing games and i knew i was really enjoying getting stuff working with will on party first Uh stuff and also uh, i wrote up a murder mystery story for another game that's in production right now um but yeah we started talking about it and i was like yeah i think i'll check it out and uh yeah, that Goblin Game Jam was my first game jam that I ever did. And that's actually how Goblin Market got started. It ended up being one of the easiest, breeziest things I've ever done, honestly. In three <laughs> weeks, I think I just hammered out about 50 pages. And like I had storylines, I had fun new systems, I had something that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And it all started from just talking with you about that Goblin Game Jam. Yeah, and I think that there's a couple people who are listeners of this that are going to be really excited about that. But, Jared, can we actually ask you now, what is Goblin Market? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's my take on the trying to work with the seven deadly sins in a role-playing uh, atmosphere in a okay. very fun way is basically how it started. <laughs> um, so the, everything was goblin themed, right? And mm-hmm. I was just, I had, a, I thought I had a system that I liked and then Will actually posted something on his discord for game Anomicon, And he put actually the poem goblin market by Christina. I think it's Rossetti. Yes. And read the poem, and there, oh boy, 
There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah, there, um, there's a reason we talked about that a lot in my English classes in college. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like, and it was definitely very Victorian talking about, you know, the things that they were tempted with, but you, they never actually say what the temptations are, right? Just that they're becoming sickly because of these temptations. And I read that poem and I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's a pretty deep poem, but there's just no way that I could do anything like that for a role-playing game that didn't want to touch those themes or anything. And as soon as I typed that out, I was like, you know what? Why not? Why can't I take a look at this and try and make this into a fun, interesting way to look at the Victorian era in still try and do these fun mischievous like that was the whole idea of that goblin jam right it was trying to be like you are the goblins and you're trying to be mischievous and so yeah. that's how it turned into is that you're a group of goblins who are trying to tempt mortals into one of the seven deadly sins and that's pretty much the whole game you have to do it by a certain time period before the goblin market uh disappears goes back into the veil and you're abandoned um but yeah that's it's supposed to be mischievous, have a lot of fun, and it's a weird kind of competitive, cooperative game. You're working together as a group to tempt these mortals, but at the same time, you want to be the goblin that does it because you each have your own little goals as well. You can curse each other and it turns into uh, an interesting dynamic in the group, hopefully. Yeah. And I think that's something so important for us to to talk about really, because there's a lot of really cool inspirations for this. There's also some really cool semi ludo narrative things going on. For instance, the all for two system that you created for this game and flipping, rolling, collecting. I'm not sure how to put it. Uh, <laughs> I really like bones in this game. Like <laughs> I think it's so much fun. And I remember the conversations that you and Will were having in the game jam space talking about like how weird it is, but how it strangely works and me not understanding because it wasn't ready yet. Like I wasn't there to see it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That was, um, that was a really hard thing to try and figure out at first. Uh, Cause the system ended up coming first before I got the full narrative figured out mm -hmm. uh, to the whole idea is that if it's everything that you use or flip or roll or choose a card, however you want to do it, it's all binary. It's either zero or a one. And depending how you're, how good you are at a skill, like that's how many rolls of the bones that you get. And because goblins are famous for not being able to count at all, pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> is that they can only count up to do two. Anything that's more than two is still two. So your results can only be zero, one, and two. I love that so much. That That's probably <laughs> my favorite part of it, hands down. Not not the least of which is because I have the mental image of goblins with just, you know, like a thumb and two fingers, and they're counting <laughs> on their fingers, and they still stop at two because they just, a thumb's not a finger. So they just, they're like, one, two, and that's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> what I like about that, too, is that that only gives you three options. There's only three mm -hmm. outcomes to anything that you do. And there are three distinct outcomes, too. And so it makes the system 
really easy to use. You know, and that's one of the big driving thing is that I've always had a hard time design-wise with games because they're just going to go too long. When I write adventures, I get into it. I set out these long-term goals and all this stuff. I'm like, let's try and narrow the focus down as much as possible and try and keep it as a one-night adventure as many times as we can. I like that a lot. I think that something like Goblin Market is a game where people could theoretically come back with the same characters, but it's a new adventure each time. The systems that are in place for it really do lend to that, too. I also realized that I said I like Bones in this game and had no context for what Bones is. Could one of you guys please tell the audience what a bone is? (laughs) Sure. Uh, So it's basically anything you want it to be, right? As long as it can be flipped to either a one or a zero when you throw it. And I really like this idea that it can be anything you want. And so in my head, I've got like like a feather that has one and zero on the side. And then like just a die that's one and zeros. And you just throw all these weird things all together. And then you just kind of count up the ones and zeros that come face of. And so your bones just end up being your dice. I, I do kind of love the thematic idea. I, I feel like the goblins in I mean. the world you've yeah. built here, uh, Jared, would maybe just collect this random assortment of pocket junk. You know, like they do have a feather and like a penny and for some reason a D12 and you like, you know, a, a rock that's shiny on one side and not on the other and just like throw this random assortment of stuff. Like that's the mental image that your world has for me. Mm-hmm. My favorite line of the entire thing right now is this this one right here. To promote the chaotic nature of goblins, it is encouraged to use many different objects. I love that. I think that <laughs> is so fun because even if you don't have dice, you have access to this game. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to be as as easy laid out and as welcoming to as many people as possible. Uh, like I know a lot of people in my life don't really play a lot of role-playing games, but I'm sure mm-hmm. I could get them interested in this one. And I like they're going to be one of my first play testers of a new like little adventure thing I'm working on with them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm going for anyway. <laughs> mhm. Jared, you had mentioned earlier that this game is part cooperative, part competitive. And something that leads to that and helps with that is boons and banes. These are obviously different ways to boost your character or make somebody else or yourself kind of stumble back a little bit. So could you tell us a little bit about how boons and banes work and what they are? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it comes back to getting the zero, one, or twos on there is that some of those results uh, can also get you boons or banes and other actions that you do in the game. Can, you can collect those. Uh, boons are pretty straightforward. They can power what are called your jinxes or like kind of your spells. Um, they can also help you succeed on rolls. Um, they can also, well, just kind of... Anything storyline-wise you can really help out with. 
the banes that you get, um, those you can use to trigger other people's frailties. Every goblin has got a frailty, and it coincides with one of the seven sins from when you make up your character. So, like, one is like, your target becomes um, angry, or they have to partake in a lustful situation, uh, like partaking in life, or, like, sloth they have to kind of like just let something slide and they have to fill that part of being cursed with the bane um, but it can also have an effect uh, other like the rolls and stuff like that because you want to be the goblin that gets the most bones because there are going to be things that you collect in the game too so yeah hopefully it ends up being just a chaotic mess for one night and that's really <laughs> the goal here <laughs> it's kind of like a totally unique system like i I remember reading a very early version of this and being intrigued by it and seeing what it's become is it's incredible. I'm so excited to actually sit down and play this game. You right there were mentioning character creation. I think for Goblin Market, it might be a good idea for us to kind of just run through the basics of like what a character looks like, because that actually really heavily helps narrate how this game can focus. So can we just quickly run through just the parts of a character and dive a little bit into what those aspects of the character really mean towards the rest of the game? I mean, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, starting off is that part of the theme of trying to make the game as easy as possible is that each goblin only has three uh, attributes. You get your guile your muscle and your smarts. So like how strong you are, how smart you are and how good you are basically at lying and cheating. You're cunning. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you, while you're okay. So you get that set up and everything starts at two. Now the next part you're going to choose is going to be your aspect. Now in the original poem, uh, goblins are kind of half, these little goblin creatures you picture in your head and also half animal. So you choose one of those animals and each one of those animals is actually going to be tied to a different jinx or a spell like ability. And also gets tied to your frailty or whatever the seven sin is like the rat is tied to gluttony, but it also has the ability to move from shadow to shadow for its spell like ability. Um, once you've chosen that part, then you go on to your animus. And it's kind of like your archetype, like the prankster, the brute, the thief, the baker. And that just gives you ways to earn boons outside of the regular storyline ways. And then finally, you've got the impetus. Uh, and that gives you like what your secret goals are, what your secret desires are, and also how you view the rest of the world. Like, uh, do you actually want mortals to fail or do you want goblins to fail or you want them to succeed and depending on what you choose there all goes into a final stat on your sheet which is basically like a humanity scale you start right in the middle at goblin and through the choices that you make during the storyline you'll either become more mortal like or more bestial like the animal side that you've chosen and if you actually go too much, making too many, like, quote-unquote, evil choices, or too many 
quote unquote good choices, you'll actually turn into a mortal or you'll turn into that animal. And if either of those things happen, you can't play the game anymore. You're done. You're no longer a fun goblin. (laughs) (laughs) So making your character kind of sets you up for basically how this is going to run for the night for you. So this is really a game that's designed for one shots more so, or like small games, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's now that, of course, that being said, and how I said earlier, I can't, I can't stop trying to think of bigger and better things on there. I'm already working on campaign rules. Now that'll be something different, but (laughs) (laughs) can't help but expand. That sounds like the Jared. I know. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get into some of those things in just a little bit too, but we're going to focus on goblin market for just a little bit longer before we dig into (laughs) you a bit, buddy. (laughs) So, one of the important things, too, about Goblin Market as well is the fact that there's only a limited amount of time before the market vanishes. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's only so many scenes that you could do during the game because in the Goblin Market, in the middle of it is this giant, rickety, mystical clock tower. And every time you guys go out to do a scene it will move the clock tower one step forward. It's called the Toodle Pip and has 13 numbers on it. And once it strikes 13, the Goblin Market disappears. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't mean that you've got 13 scenes to get stuff done because the clock is also measuring how much danger that the market is in. It's like if mortals will be able to find it or if like the witches are causing problems or if the fairies are being too mischievous to draw attention to the market is that if you fail bad enough the clock will tick ahead faster however if you succeed or do certain missions you can actually click that clock back a couple pips to try and finish out your main mission of tempting the mortals but at the end of the day you only have got i would say around eight to nine scenes to try and pull off everything that you want to do i think that Goblin Market really hits its stride in making scenes accessible for for players. You do have enemies and you have threats, but you don't need to engage with them in the same way that D&D does because it's very heavily narrative. And something that you've done to ensure that even non-tabletop role-playing game gamers will be able to join in on this is actually creating a very, very in-depth, very cool scene generator. What, what are some of the things that went into building the scene generator? This definitely goes back to the idea of just making a single night, single shot adventure for one night. Um, It gives you basically five scenes they can do over and over again. Uh, and on most of those, the players can kind of choose how they want those to end. Now, once you start getting into some of the side missions on there, is that to start off the scene, is that the players as the goblins have to have a squabble. And that's deciding who is going to lead and also choose what scene you're going to do. 
So after they decide how the squabble wins, and you can do that by gambling, you can do that by, I don't know, however you want to do it, even fighting or however it is. So once that's chosen, then the leader of the goblins will choose the scene. And the scene ranges from trying to figure out secrets about the mortals that you're trying to tempt. Uh, it's, or you can try and do something about the city to make it worse, basically. Because every city is going to have burdens and troubles. And mm-hmm. so all those troubles and burdens make it easier for different temptations to happen within that city. So like one of them is that you can switch uh, a baby with a changeling. That's a side mission. And that'll actually help build in one of the different sins to make it people more paranoid about what's going on in the world. You can also, in a scene, you can summon up uh, Springjack or even call the place, like call the city guard if you need to. And all those things are, you only have got like five to eight choices of all these different scenes. They all, once they end, they all have a specific goal. Once they end, then you kind of reboot it and you go back to the goblin market while you're at the goblin market. You've got like four scenes there that you can choose, like get an item, trade with someone else, heal up, um, trying to figure out secrets about each other. Like that's all something. So it's two parts. You go to the market and then you can go back out into the city and you start all over by picking, like I'm narrowing down the scenes that you can choose on purpose because I want it to be narrative, narrative heavy, with three different outcomes on each scene to try and really push forward the role-playing experience to make it as easy as possible and to really get a full role-playing experience because I do expect there to be a lot of chaos. (laughs) It builds out in a very fun way. Like, uh, and just even like the titles for, for some of them, uh, like I'm a big fan of the differences between, Oh, I don't know. Something like running a hunt versus a bicycle built for three. (laughs) There's like a a level of humor and very like intentional poking towards like the tones of these settings. Like you kind of know what you're getting into before you even dive deep into that. And with five choices, you'll probably get a chance to play every single scene at least once, which is really exciting for players who may want to do something at a specific time. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to get the whole theme running through the whole adventure. Like I love the, the toodle pip is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite phrases. Um, I'll be actually coming out with a little one page RPG that really delves more into the tone of what the game feels like. Um, I think probably my favorite scene that I put together was the hard knock life where you can summon beggars if you have to. (laughs) And it's all about the idea of gluttony and greed. Um, I think that's one of my favorite things that I got put together. So yeah, it was a ton Mm -hmm. of fun to put together and I really hope that fun really pushes over into what the people are playing with as well. Cause like even getting into the Victorian ideas at, you're right with the conflicts with things you can fight them or you can outwit them or you don't even have to have them be involved at all either. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make it as fun as possible. Jared, one of the things that you had actually mentioned before we really started to dive into this and talked was 
ensuring that we talked about humanities and tones for this game because working with seven deadly sins it's a little bit of a a darker concept but can you talk about how humanities really focus in on that and how you can tone shift this game so it might not be quite as dark for people who aren't looking for that experience 100 percent, and i definitely i don't want to tell people how to play the game right you can make it as dark as you want you can make it as light as you want and that part of why I put in the humanity scale on there. So in like um, one of the troubles, like the beggars banquet, or let's say switching out um, one of the babies on there, that's switching out a child for changeling is that when you, let's say successfully, you figure out your little heist, they go out the city and you switch out with a changeling. Now it's at that point in time that you as the lead goblin can choose who you're who are you doing this to and why are you doing this so you could be choosing like well i'm actually taking this this child actually is in uh is in the slums and actually will have a better life i'm going to change it out with another family over here and changelings love the squalor and so they're going to have a great life there but then we're going to take this child and give it maybe a little bit better life over here and that'll actually end up being like a good thing to be able to put up on your humanities. Um, now, if you want to go the other way where it's a lot more gobliny, that's absolutely fine too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. Working with the seven sins and that's something like that's how it all started. Right. I wanted to try to make this a very uh, easy way to deal with it. And that's why the Victorian era ended up being the perfect setting for it. I uh, did a, bunch of studying on like the censorship that came out and talking about taboo subjects and the writing and all that in it was just fascinating the whole idea is that you really came up with better writers this way and i actually put together um ended up writing like an eight-page essay on it uh the idea is that they just became better writers is that all right, so because of the censorship, we can't blatantly say that we're going to do this. Um, there's not going to be any sensationalism as much. So instead, they just used, they became better writers and used different language, used fade to black type stuff. They still mm -hmm. talked about what they wanted to talk about without it really being an R rated situation anymore. Yeah. Um, and that, that was something I was pretty impressed by uh, i thought that was very cool and i want to be able to bring that same kind of you know i want like pearls to be clutched and you know i want men to swoon you know <laughs> i want to be able to bring those type of sensibilities into the game and so to be able to play an r-rated game but in a very pg way that's accessible to everyone jared i don't know if my melancholy disposition can handle that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hopefully what we're going for <laughs> it's the uh second time i've had a big brain moment over here the first time on schedule for launches i asked will something about how i asked him a writing question and he just froze i remember having to cut it from the episode because <laughs> i can't even remember what it was about oh dang but... i don't remember either now <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and find the raw, but yeah, I, I remember that very distinctly. Actually, well, next question kind of, I guess this is kind of for both of you guys now. 
as we kind of like, we kind of got a feeling for Goblin Market. We know what's going on there. So obviously, as we can tell this, Jared being very knowledgeable of it, Jared is the creator and such of Goblin Market. How are you involved with this project? Let me give a, a little bit of backstory to catch listeners up to the present here. Mm-hmm. So Jared and I have known each other for Lord, probably twenty years now. It's gotta be it's gotta be just over twenty years, yeah. Yeah. Um, because we, we ran into each other both playing the Game of Thrones uh competitive card game, which I probably mentioned maybe on like my first appearance on first here. Or second, yeah. Yeah. Um so card gaming for a long time was my gaming angle. Um that has kind of come and gone, the Game of Thrones card game itself. Um, and I've moved into some of my own projects and, uh, Jared, of course, has been heavily involved, not just in competitive card gaming, but RPGs and all sorts of things and had, uh, taken a look at, at party first, the initial core book and kind of, mm-hmm. uh, got hooked with some ideas there and left some rave reviews and stuff. And then he, he started messaging me with ideas of, Oh man, I've got, you know, this idea for an adventure and that and whatever. And I was like, okay, that, that sounds awesome. Basically, you know, write it up and I'll do some editing and we'll release some PDFs and roll with it. Bring ourselves to, to twilight war. And that, uh, is kind of a, sort of actually a merger of of an idea I'd had kicking around since we did the core book and like the next big idea that Jared had, we kind of shifted half of both of those pieces and found a way to kind of fit them together. Um, And and of course him in the game of Nomicon discord led to all of this chat and stuff. So he got into uh, goblin market and then hit on the idea of being a little more, um, expansive with it and asked me about like running a Kickstarter or something. Um, and basically just being publisher for it. Uh, I think I'll probably be editing as well. So I may have a, a little bit more of a work profile into things, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's my first attempt at turning game into a publisher and okay. publishing someone else's work. And I, I think the idea, like it just worked so well. I know it just dovetailed so well together is that when I, I contacted you about this idea, I was like, I would, had already started working on some other games, but I kept coming back to this one. I just really liked it. And I wanted to do a lot more with it. Like I, I yes, it's already got like 48 pages to it, but I know there's a lot that I want to fill out to. I wanted to be able to describe these scenes a lot more fully. I remember talking to you and you're like, yeah, that sounds like a really cool idea. And I'm like, I don't have the experience doing Kickstarter or anything like that. <laughs> and uh, it just, it, it just seemed like a very natural fit to yeah. do it is that you've got the knowledge, the wherewithal, you've done these before. And I'm more than happy to do just crank out the content and to have you take care of the, the big brain stuff basically believe <laughs> <laughs> me with the the nitty gritty of dealing with numbers makes sense for the banker i suppose <laughs> i'm over here i can only count it too so what do you want from me man <laughs> perfect <laughs> 
Will, what's it like for you, though, taking that shift from designer to publisher? How's that been for you? You know, it's um, it's it's interesting because uh, it is it is a mindset shift, right? Um, <laughs> Jared and I have have already done work on what's he published like four PDFs, I think, plus Twilight War for uh, Party First. Yes, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, we had talked and, about that in the Party First episode, actually. The, yeah, uh, yeah, the extra writer. So, Jared, I believe this is actually the the third time we've talked about you on this show. But the first time we've talked <laughs> to you directly. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> yeah. So I I know we we work together well, and like um, Jared, I I think this will surprise nobody listening to this is a huge idea guy. Like he is just this never ending font of ideas spilling forth from his pen, uh, which is awesome and amazing. And I need that kind of help, but also (laughs) it's tricky with party first where I have kind of this mental image of like the tone of the world. And, you know, sometimes I'm having to kind of rein him in and be like, well, you know, that's, that's a (laughs) little too gonzo. Let's dial that back a little, little. (laughs) Um, And so it's been interesting to be able to like flip that sort of switch off and just like look at his creation with fresh eyes and not have my own competing ideas, but just think about like how to help him turn this into the best it could be, which uh, has been really cool. That's super exciting. I knew that Jared was excited about Goblin Market when we were in the Gabonomicon Discord. And Jared was shooting all these messages. And then one day Will went, I've created a game jam sub board. You two go talk over there. <laughs> and I, I distinctly really like I super clearly remember being like, How many did we send? And it was a lot. Like we we crammed up general chat for like a solid four days before Will's like, I need to do something about this. <laughs> and that's stayed up pretty popular and active sub board on its own on your discord there. And a lot of it's you, Jared. So what is your love with game jams? What's about, what about them? Is it that made you kind of like, swan dive so hard into this love for them uh great question uh so it it all started i couldn't tell you 100 percent. like i've got an idea so it started with the goblin one mm-hmm. and before that one ended i was already doing an edgar Allan poe jam yep. and that. the I loved how it started. I loved doing the Goblin one because it was the first one and it was so easy to get everything out there. If, and I just remember thinking of it, how unbelievably, how I could easily be disciplined doing something like this. Just sit mm-hmm. down, like, all right, I've got two hours during the day on these days, sit down, do the work, and then got to be done with it. And it was great to have that immediate deadline. And then I saw this Edgar Allan Poe thing and I was like, oh, yeah, that's really neat. And then I was like, well, maybe I could try another one. 
And I just looked at Will's second guest system. And I'm like, I bet I could probably do one of those. And then it just kind of yeah. hit me like, oh, every one of the prompts could be one of Edgar Allan Poe's stories. Right? So he can do that as a journaling thing. And before that one ended, there was the Illuminated Manuscript, which that got me the Muse Ex Machina. And then it's on to the one-page RPG. And then next is going to be the Ludus Ex Machina. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> having this constant deadline. And I think the one actually for the Ludus Ex Machina, I've already finished. <laughs> um, and that's not even a start for about two weeks. The I think once that one's done or once it even starts, then it's like, I think I have to... I just like having that deadline because being a journalist background, I think it gives me... I don't know, just that motivation. I think yeah. I need to slow down on that one and just go back <laughs> and revisit. Cause I, um, I mean, I'll have to go back and redo. I don't have to redo the goblin market stuff, but I really want to flesh it out. I want it to be stylistically and tonality consistent through the whole text. Um, I want to add in some different lieges. Like right now it's only the night queen, but I'd love to have different missions if you had like the Goblin King, the Witch Coven, and Chaos and Law. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also there's just other cool little things I want to add into it. And then once I get that done, I want to go back and revisit like uh, Musex Machina. I think is has a ton of potential, and I think it's one of those games that I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, this is not going to be a super popular game, but it might be a game that'll make people think about games a little bit differently, you know, (laughs) was it the goal? (laughs) That was the great thing about jams. They just started, they just helped me kick off and forced me to have ideas. It was nice to have someone else give me the hook Mm -hmm. to then fulfill that. Arguably, I think that's what jams are for. So I think it's like they're serving their purpose to just kind of get those juices flowing for you. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Like you and I have totally different mentalities when it comes to this stuff. We were talking about that before because you came out, you rocked one of the coolest games I've ever seen. And I was just like, I don't know. Your goblin's making a movie. Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cute. I've actually got it right here. I I really like the idea of life above uh, humans, life above dirt there. You got the different settings. I uh, People should check it out because what I think one of the things that's a little bit um, like this is kind of a big game. Like it's not just four or five pages. This thing's like 10 to 12. You can tell you put work into it and some good thought. Like, and plus the tone that you put in there really helps pull out the office feel to it. But you know, you got ones instead. <laughs> yeah. So, this game's actually well also first of all thank you for for checking out the game but this game's actually hitting kickstarter as this episode goes live a little bit after we record actually so what are some of the stretch goals that you're looking for for this kickstarter i think that's for you will (laughs) okay yeah well so uh one of the stretch goals we're looking at is a goblin tarot deck that uh jared has (laughs) yeah he's been he's had that kicking around and actually for a completely unrelated project i uh got into the mid journey ai beta and then wound up subscribing to it 
and I've been tinkering with it for different stuff. And then just on a lark, I was like, hey, I wonder what kind of goblin stuff would this do? And I mean, man, just typing in goblin market Rosetti turns out like gorgeous, creepy, like moody stuff that's super cool. Uh, so we played around with a, a little bit of different uh, stuff. And I think I've been learning a lot more about how to prompt uh, the AI. So I think we're going to try to AI generate uh, that whole tarot deck. So that's why if folks are looking at uh, the stretch goal amounts that that is lower than you might expect for the amount of art needed. Um, we're going we're gonna to get experimental with this, but from some of our kind of like test subjects, I think it's going to be really cool. For the couple of little shots that you sent over to me, just for the stuff that you were just kind of tinkering around with, uh, I was really impressed because uh, it's mm-hmm. we're going to do a couple of different things. Like it's not, it can't be your quite exact standard tarot deck. It's going to be your major arcana plus two, and then <laughs> it's going to be those same themes, right? It'll still have like the magician and your regular yeah. major arcana, uh, but I'm going to add law and chaos because those are going to be important for the goblin market. Yeah. But then each one of those cards is going to have a zero or a one, so you can use it as the bones. So let's say you have like a you have a th- three, so it means you can pull three cards from it. And one cool thing, if the tarot thing does go for the stretch goals, which it is the lowest one on there if that hits on there, then you can even use the things that you pull on there into the storyline stuff because mm-hmm. it'll have representations of either like a witch or a goblin or a mortal. Um, and that'll help inform some of your storytelling too. I, that's the coolest one. I, I really hope that one goes off. <laughs> that, that's why we went ahead and made it the lowest one. It's like, I think it is definitely the coolest and I think it's very, achievable thanks to yeah. ai art tools um i i know there's a lot of back and forth um discussion deeper on that whole concept which is not for this show but i wanted to make, make sure folks <laughs> had that out there um past that i know jared kicked it to me for the goals but Honestly, the next two goals are both Jared writing more stuff. <laughs> so well, you got uh, <laughs> uh, there's going to be. I, I really like the maps of the city, like the Victorian yeah. maps, and especially for the work that you've done on that already. I apologize. I did actually forget we added that. My my apologies. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I you're let me use that art for that one page RPG just to give people an idea of what it looks like, and it is those maps are awesome. Uh, but then the the middle stretch goal on there is the one that's going to be the most daunting to me. Very doable, but it'll add easily between ten and twelve more pages. Is that so? In this world, fairies and witches and goblins they all they all work together, kind of, in a kind of a loose alliance. So if we hit a certain stretch on there, is that you can also, as a playable character, you can be a fairy or a witch as well as a goblin. Um, so that'll bring a lot more different options. And I've already got a mm-hmm. kind of a decent idea of what we're looking for, for the fairies at least, which is what might be a little bit tougher for me to get my head around it. But it also gives me really neat ideas to work with the different jinxes and the different attributes 
like the goblins are just the total chaos, right? And so then (laughs) the fairies can be a little bit more about the jinxes, the spells and whatnot, and the witches will be a little bit more about the secrets and like being the oracles. And especially if you get the tarot deck, I want them to work a lot more with that if that becomes an option. So, which it would be because it's after the tarot yeah. expansion. So, yeah. that would work perfectly, right? That's the idea, anyway. <laughs> I love that. They're very achievable goals for this game, too. And you're not promising anything huge. And if you want to hear more about Mid Journey, you can actually hear about a lot about Mid Journey in the episode that came out just prior to this one because myself oh, nice. and Joel, yeah. The episode coming out tomorrow as we record this has a decent little conversation about mid journey because my guest was 19 years old and can't afford art. That's like the same way that bigger people could. So I look forward to checking that that out. I think, I think there is a lot to be done and a lot also to be said about uh, AI art. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just a little bit of a hint. We don't go too, too deep, but we talk about it a bit. Guys, we're starting to run low on time here, though. I got one more question for both of you, and then we'll get down into the breakdown of where people can find you. So, Jared, it's your turn to answer the question that's asked on every episode of this show. But (laughs) what advice can you give to new designers who are looking to build their own game, but they don't know where to start? Great question. Uh, Just jump in. Honestly, you got to start by putting something on paper or on a computer, as in my case. Uh, that's where I started. I put down an idea, and then I, for me, what worked best, a ton of research. My role-playing game collection at this point, in, in the past, since I started about four or five months ago, has grown by like 40 books or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like mine. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, in college, one of my least favorite classes was poetry. Not that I hate poetry. It's just me and the professor, we just didn't get along. Yeah. But they said one of the truer things I've ever heard. And that is you can't break the rules until you know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. And that one really resonated with me is that sure you can go and just do stuff kind of willy nilly and you might get lucky and it might sound good and work really well. But if you're breaking rules on purpose, you need to be informed about it because those are the things that will inform the rest of the people about what your game is going to be like. And that, that was my best advice I ever got. That's good advice. I like it. this one's a little bit more about you though than than game design stuff but it's also i think vastly important especially when we're talking about your own mental well-being with projects and making sure you don't resent them but what are some of your favorite ways to step away from a project when you need a break from it oh geez this is a (laughs) tough one for you to to um, just drop on you b- yeah, drop like. on me here particularly <laughs> with with jared in the chat because we have collaborated on these uh on on several projects and jared as i said is a font of ideas and it just workhorse and <laughs> my brain 
it's very hit or or miss uh very full steam ahead and i'm like oh my goodness i have ideas pouring out of me for like a week mm-hmm. and then my brain just like turns off that creative part somehow and just like no project has any impact on me for like three weeks and i'm sure it has driven jared bonkers when he's waiting <laughs> on like feedback on something and it's like it's stepping away from it was not even anything that i consciously thought about it's just like i was working and working and working and just hit that point and it just turned off <laughs> so i gosh i wish i had like good advice for people but i'm such a bad example personally <laughs> um as as a actual like real world stress reduction um recommendation i do highly recommend some form of exercise personally uh i like to go running uh not only is that really therapeutic for me when stress has hit too high of a point but also i find that a lot of um my most interesting creative ideas hit while i'm you know, ignoring the podcast that is playing through my headphones and I'm two miles into a run. Um, there's like something about that, um, disconnect just like gets creative wires starting to connect. So maybe that's, Mm -hmm. that's the closest I can get to an answer. (laughs) No, I think that's totally fair because looking back on me, pre COVID pre brutal knee injury, some of my best ideas came to me while I was boxing. And as wild as that is to say, I remember getting hit in the face and being like, Oh, I have a game idea. (laughs) (laughs) It literally hits you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Last question of the night though. And we're going to start with you on this one though. Well, where can people find out more about you and Gameonomicon stuff. Yeah, uh, of course, there's uh, Gameonomicon.com. Uh, uh, you can find us at Facebook slash Gameonomicon. Uh, Twitter is probably the most active uh, that I am as far as social media for the company. Uh, that one is the underscore Gameonomicon. Um, I'm in several Discord servers. We've, we've got a uh, Discord server, granted, it's much harder to just rattle off a, a link to that over the air. Um, but uh, I think you can check us out many of those places, of course, uh, itch and drive through as well. And for everyone wondering how in the world to spell game anomicon, it's like the Necronomicon, the book of the dead. Uh, you just drop necro for death and you insert game. So game nomicon, game anomicon. There you go. It sounded really witty when I thought it up. (laughs) (laughs) And Jared, where can people find out more about you and Goblin Market? (laughs) Right on. I I, uh, really wish I had listened to some people about my uh, business name. Uh, I am listed under Paroxysm by Design. It's like Paroxy SM by Design. Honestly, the easiest way you can do it, if you go to Drive Through RPG or Itch.io, if you just put in um, 
Mind Pops, which is the latest game that I've just put out a couple days ago. If you look up Mind Pops, just follow that. That'll take you to Paroxysm. And then I link the two between the website, um, Itch, and DriveThru. <laughs> so, Jared, what is Paroxysm? I've, I've, I don't know, and I've been too scared to ask to use that <laughs> meme. It's a good place to ask, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a sudden and overpowering emotional feeling. Oh, cool. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's very good. By design. <laughs> I, I like it. Right? It's really cool, but it's I'm miserable to spell. I should have listened to other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in the same boat there. <laughs> <laughs> And then, obviously, you could find Goblin Market right now on Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, uh, easy. We did set up an easy Bitly link for that. So that's bit.ly slash Goblin Market. Just make sure you capitalize the G for Goblin and the M for Market. Take you right there. As always, audience, those links are going to be in the description down below. Go check out Goblin Market and go follow Will and Gamonomicon and Proxism by Design because they're all rad and I'm looking so forward to seeing how this game changes and how it evolves. Will, Jared, thank you so much for coming onto the show this week. It was a great time. Yeah. Zach, thank you so much for doing this. Your <laughs> input. Like it, I just had a conversation with someone about people having reach, and I think you've done a really good job here. Your reach within the, I don't know if you call them micro games or the indie games, has been fantastic. So thanks so much for doing what you do. I absolutely love it. I just want more people to play things that aren't D&D all the time. I like <laughs> D&D. I just like other things, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're, you're putting in the work, man. So thank you. <laughs> And audience, thank you so much for listening. Jared and Goblin Market are scheduled to launch really soon. Go and support it. And let's go get some really cool tarot cards set up because I want to see the tarot cards. Until next week, though, take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Jared and Will for joining us on the show this week. I have fortunately already had the chance to look at some of Goblin Market. And, you know, since I was part of that game jam, it's honestly one of the best intro to TTRPGs I have ever seen, especially if your friends are a little bit too nervous to jump in the more intense games. Go support it on Kickstarter and let us know what you think somewhere on the internet. If you decide to post it on Twitter, don't worry, let me know. I'll tell Jared. And thank you for listening, audience. I know things have been a little bit weird with episode uploads, I'm trying to get it sorted out, but Podbean still hasn't gotten back to me as of recording this outro. So if there's a specific podcatcher that you like or think I should be on, let me know. I'm willing to jump ship at this point. If you're hearing this the day of release, then tomorrow, Wednesday, August 24th, 2022, you can catch me on Live from the Apocalypse where I'm going to be playing the character Jackson Miller, a Pokemon Park Ranger in the Maple Leaf. Explore the mysteries of Gigander and join the incredible cast as we work our way through Tron Town and go to the wreckage of Tim's Tower. That's going to be live at 7.30pm tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time. Hope to see you there. If you like the show and you want to hear more, why not give it a share with a friend? 
Word of mouth is the only way we grow here, and growth has been explosive. Next week, we're going to be having a returning voice, and I just can't wait for you to hear from him again. Until then, though, take care of yourselves, and have a good night. I'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye.